Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Delera, and I'm joined by a very, very special guest. We've got Montone Football over here. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, man. I mean, it's the NBA finals right now. It's really hard to be, you know, this is what we wait for all year long. This is what we build up to all year long. And hey, we actually got a close series so far. I know a lot of the people out there were kind of thinking we have a blowout. So close basketball so far. I'm excited, man. Yeah, man. And a little congratulations for you. I know you just graduated school. So congrats, man. That's a big, big accomplishment here. Um, But I did want to lead the episode with the fact that we had done a giveaway. We partnered with props.cash and we were able to give a we were able to give away a free month of their tool for somebody that rated reviewed on Apple podcasts. And this was completely random. I'll read a couple of them here. But the we got a couple from Talk Broncos gave us a nice one. Loopy Lose, Taze, AJ3, Hoops Old Man. And we got our winner here is Plus Money Bob. Great pod, five-star review, fantastic insight and handicapping. One of my favorites in the sports landscape. So Plus Money Bob, uh, I had to give this out like a little bit randomly, just threw it in a randomizer. This is audio, so I can't show it to you guys, but plus money, Bob, uh, hit us up in the DMS and we will get you set up with that free month of props.cash for any of you that didn't win this giveaway. I'm sure we'll be doing some things in the future, but if you want to get in on props.cash, you can get 25% off your first month, uh, by using the promo code in my bio. So just check it out. And it's, it's a great tool. It's, it's one of the staples really for prop betting. So, um, please check it out. But with that, I want to talk about game two a little bit before we dive into game three, right? Or like games one and two. What do you think has been the biggest takeaway for you uh, so far in this series? Because I'm a little surprised it's 1-1, but it also hasn't felt like Denver's played great yet, uh, yet either. Yeah, no, I mean, it's one of those things for me, it's for with Miami, especially, I think this series is all about the shooters, right? It seems I'm not sure what's going on, whether it's a lack of aggression, whether it's a lingering injury, whether it's a family issue with Jimmy Butler right now. But I think it's pretty clear that last game was one based on that three point shooting, right? This is a Miami Heat team that was what 27th in the regular season and three point shooting now number one in the postseason over their last five quarters, they're shooting 49% from three. So it's obviously Duncan Rob. Robinson, Max Drews, Gabe Vincent, it's all these kind of names. I think that's kind of what it comes down to. And to be honest, betting on three-point shooting to consistently come through for you is not something that I really want to bet on too much. It just really depends on how can Denver kind of you know match these adjustments and kind of adjust in their own way. Yeah, I, I'm 100% with you there. And it's, it's a little bit odd. Like, I feel like it's a little reductive, right, to say that it's just three-point variance because I think it's a little bit more than that, right? Like, I think that what Miami's doing is a lot of its scheme. The pace in this series so far is 89.75. That is so slow. Like you're just crawling. Like they're, they are working. They've been good all season. And even in the postseason, especially of keeping teams at a transition, keeping the possessions down. And I think that that's really important for this because Sure, like we're betting on the three-point variance, but this is not a team that's like running. Like they're not trying to outrun you. They want to reduce the number of possessions because they know that that's where it almost like multiplies the variance or so to speak. Like it's probably exponential or however you want to say it, but it it adds like a multiplier to that variance because there's fewer possessions. So like if they're hot, then that's kind of changing that scenario. And I mean, the other thing is when you look at this, Denver's defense 
was bad, especially in the fourth quarter of game four, right? Like they just got, they broke it open. KCP had multiple three point fouls. Like what do you take away from that type of thing there? Like, are those adjustments that Denver can make or is it just like play better? Yeah, well, I think, like you said, the Miami Heat scheme is obviously so good. I didn't mean to take any credit away, right? The way that they yeah. generate so many great opportunities is why they're so good. My biggest problem, and I think a guy that I want to bring up to you that I, I bet on last game, Michael Porter Jr., I don't oh. know if we're going to see too much more of Michael Porter Jr. I mean, he was consistently getting lost on screen, yeah. on screens, no help defense whatsoever. Even like a reliable guy like KCP was making those critical mistakes. I think we might be seeing some more Bruce Brown, some more Christian Braun, the guy that you and me bet on and had a good <laughs> show in a little bit recently. I think if it was me, at least Denver, I would be shifting to some smaller lineups right here. I want to get those great guard defenders out there and I want to shut down those out outside shooter. So for me, I think that might mean we see a, a big dip in Michael Porter Jr. minutes over these next couple of games. But I'm curious what you think about that. Yeah, I think it's interesting, right? Because Denver, how many guys does Denver have that they can really play? Um, like you're looking at it, they got like, but Miami's Miami's sort of similar in that regard too. It's like, there's only so many options that they have. So I think you're right. Like I get like what you're saying. And I think that you're right. Cause I've been just personally hurt by Michael Porter jr. The last couple of games. And like, cause I've been betting on his threes and a couple of things too, but my wonder, right. Is do you want to give up that size advantage? Like I know that he's been poor in terms of some of his decision-making, but do you want to give up that three point shooting? Like what, or do you want a guy that can maybe put the ball on the floor a little bit more? What exactly are you looking for here? But I think what you raised was an interesting point, right? So you talked about running these guys off the three-point line to a certain degree. And you also mentioned earlier about how Jimmy like hasn't necessarily been great, right? Like he something looks off. It looks like Denver in the first two games, they've really done a good job of limiting Miami in the paint. Um, they've scored on like 34 and 36 points or 36 and 32 points, whatever, in the paint in the first two games. That seems to be schematic. Now, do you think that Denver's adjustment or the adjustment that they need to make basically is, I know that we can talk about this in a minute, but I'll talk about Jokic as a scorer, but do you think that Denver's real pivot is like, look, we're going to run these guys off the three-point line. Go ahead and beat us on the interior if you can. Like, Jimmy, you can be a scorer because we'd rather deal with that because you still don't really look 100%. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's not just Jimmy. I think it's Bam, too. I mean, in game yeah. one, we saw Bam and Jokic on an island, what, four or five times? Like, that didn't happen last game, right? I mean, they obviously had one-on-one -on -one positions, but it wasn't like full-on clear-outs where it was just solely Bam versus Jokic in the paint one-on-one. -on -one. And it's kind of like you said, the same thing with Jimmy Butler right there. So that would be what I would be looking to do. But the problem is when Miami Heat is willing to throw these three-guard lineups out there, it is really hard to throw, um, to run those guys guys off the three-point line when they can just kick out to another guy, right? If Max Struess can just kick out to Duncan Robinson, it makes it a little bit harder to just run them off the three-point line. But I agree, my, uh, sorry, my defensive focus would 100% be on just pushing them off the three-point line, try to beat us in the paint and, you know, give us your best there. Yeah, because I think that this this game could really go one of two ways, right? Like they make that adjustment. They say, like, try to beat us on the interior. But then Malone's post-game comments were really interesting because he kind of said 
like there's been a lot of talk about how Miami did this, Miami did that, whatever. And he was like, it really should be more about like how Denver lost. And then he had like some comments to the locker room about like effort and things like that. So I'm very curious to see if they, if Malone thinks that this is like a, we need to adjust or do we need to just be better? Like literally just be better. But I think that that's, I don't know, like to me, that seems like a little bit too, like reductive or a little bit too like slanderous almost against Miami, because I think that their execution is really what kind of keeps them in these games. Yeah, that's, that's a great point right there. And I agree those post-game comments really made it seem like almost, we're not even focusing on Miami. We're focusing on how awful of an effort that we put out there. Once again, shout out Michael Porter Jr. for that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. And as we know from just watching the playoffs, our whole lives, there are very few coaches that are making huge adjustments on a game-to-game basis. That is not the norm. Just because we've had more Spolstras, more Ty Lues in recent years does not mean that the average NBA coach, even great NBA coaches, are willing to immediately make these huge shifts that change the series. So kind of like you're saying right there, or at least implying a little bit, I wouldn't be shocked if maybe Denver takes it another game, plays their style of basketball, continues the same defensive schemes, and if they continue to then lose on those same kind of plays, that's when maybe they go back to the drawing board a little bit. Yeah. So like, like you mentioned with Spo, right? So he's known for making adjustments, being a really good coach um, and obviously being willing to take certain risks. What did you think about the move of Kevin Love into the starting lineup? Because that was, it was a big move and I think it happened and it happened early. I was surprised he didn't play in game one, but now we kind of see, see that he's playing game two. What do you, what do you think about that move? Yeah, I obviously thought it was a great move. I mean, what we saw was Aaron Gordon consistently was closing out on mismatches, whether it was Struess, whether it was Vincent. It was just guys that he had five-inch size advantage, and they clearly saw we can't let that happen. Aaron Gordon is going to continue to hunt these mismatches. Same exact thing that Andrew Wiggins did in the playoff run last year. It's like you don't have enough guys to bet everyone, so let's let our fourth best player take advantage of your fifth best defender on the court. And I think even though Kevin Love obviously isn't the best defensive player in the world, he's an incredible experienced high IQ player that has the size to at least limit and not encourage Gordon to aggressively attack in the paint. Obviously also um, has some good transition passes as well. I know the the commentators love the outlet passes. I don't know if you're one of the guys that listen to audio on or with the audio off, but I mean, they probably talked about Kevin Love outlet passes for like 20 minutes over, you know, the last couple of games, but I thought it was a great move. And I think I would be surprised if we didn't see him, you know, in the starting lineup for the rest of the series, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's really interesting and it allowed Miami to then put Jimmy on Murray. So I think that the, and this kind of leads into that whole, like the whole conversation with Jokic and the discrepancy of like Jokic as a scorer. Right. So what do you, what are your thoughts on like how that adjustment really the Jimmy on the Murray thing is affecting the Nuggets offense? I mean, it's unfortunate for Jamal Murray, right? I mean, we know what Jimmy Butler can do on the defensive side of the ball, whether it's his activity in the passing lanes or just his one-on-one defense. We've seen that over multiple postseason, you know, experiences. So when Jamal Murray, you know, doesn't have those clean shots that he was getting in game one, like you said, it does encourage Jokic to be more of a score right there. But kind of like Spolster is saying in the postgame, I don't really buy into the score passer kind of talk. I think Jokic is going to continue to, 
take advantage of good looks. And I really don't, I think the scheme obviously does matter. I think they're going to try their best to limit him, but it's one of those things where it's like going back and forth, betting points, one game, then assist one game, just because you're trying to factor if I, I like, you know, the whole package, I think Jokic is going to have a great game, but to be completely honest, I'm not going to be one of these guys that stands out there and goes points or assist or something like that. I, I'm, I'm not really super interested in that, at least from a betting perspective. No, I think that you're spot on. And I think the take that you're, that you have is a little, is definitely nuanced, right? Because like what Spolster said, it was like kind of hilarious, but when he's like, Oh, to like the untrained eye, yada, yada, yada. Like I, I like get what he's saying because I mean, they're not scheming for Jokic to score 1.37 points per shot attempt in game two. Like that's not the scheme, right? Like that's not what they want. He's doing it because he's, he's taking it and the rest of the team, like really isn't like, you know, scoring as well. Like they did, it's kind of buoyed a little bit because of the like the second quarter run that they had where he was out and they just like kind of drain like a million shots. Right. But Aside from that, like Jokic was responsible for a, obviously a ton of the points that Denver scored, really like over, basically like half of their total point output. And that was in large part because the guys are missing these shots, like they're missing open shots and off of his passes, they only shot 16% from three point range. So I think that it's one of those things where with like by limiting Murray just a bit, it's more like it's forcing Jokic to say like, all right, well, like I'm going to have to try to beat you here because it's been harder to move the ball around. The offense isn't flowing as freely. And, you know, like that's, you're just not game planning him for that. So like, I think that you're hundred percent, right? Like it's very hard to bet on him on a nightly basis, just because he's so smart. He's unselfish. Like he doesn't care about the accolades or the points or the assists, like whatever. He's just like, well, I'm going to make the right basketball play. Like, I don't really care. Yeah. And I mean, too, I think that obviously is what's enabled this kind of group of like role players and then Jamal Murray to be such a, a force. So I don't know. I'm very excited to see what happens in this next game. But like you said, too, Bam Adebayo was playing good defense, too. Yeah. Like this was the same kind of scheme that they threw at him earlier in parts of game one and even in the regular season as well. Like it's more like Jokic made tough shots. And that's what yes. he does because he's Nikola Jokic. It's yeah, like you, that's I think you said it perfectly. It's not like, OK, we're going to let Jokic score 40 points, but I guarantee we're going to win today. Jokic <laughs> just happens to be a two time MVP that can make incredibly tough shots on incredibly tough defenders. Yeah, no, I, I think that, that that's, that's, that's like a spot on way to, to look at it. Right. So, uh, and I'm glad that we're kind of on the same page with that. So when you look at game three, now series is tied one, one, do you have like any thoughts on the series? Like overall, like we are saying like, all right, like these are things that I think are leaning this way. I think this series really favors Denver because I think there's a couple, I feels like there's a way to look at it where you look at and you go, well, Denver could easily be up two zero right now. Um, do you feel like Miami's like hanging in there? Like they obviously are the series is one, one, but do you see a real path for Miami to win the series? Ooh, that's tough. I don't know if I can see them winning the series, especially just because I feel very confident kind of in game three that I do think the Nuggets have a pretty good bounce back. Also, it does kind of hurt. I know we don't really talk about this that much. The Miami home court is not, it's not Golden State. It's not the Knicks. Yeah. It's not like the scariest place. It's also definitely not Denver with the elevation, <laughs> by the way. It's it's not the scariest place to go travel to in the world. And I do really feel confident that, that Denver does kind of bounce back right here. But I 
I don't know if I really want to make any bets. What the Nuggets are minus two sixty, minus yeah, three hundred, like, something like that to win the series. So it's it's a little bit of a tough spot. But yeah, I do think that the Nuggets hold on. But I hope Miami keeps it close. Just as a basketball fan, I want as much yeah. basketball as possible. I know, like my futures portfolio says, I want Denver to just close this out. But um, you know, I I do I do think that this could this series could go a little bit further. And I think that some of the things that we've seen so far, like kind of show that you know Miami's able to get under like Denver's skin or so to speak in like different ways for for game three what do you like i know you mentioned that you're very confident in denver to take care of business in game three what's what's the path like is it that miami regresses a little bit is it uh that denver changes some things makes some adjustments or is it just like denver just plays better and miami they could still shoot 40 percent and they still might just lose yeah i was gonna say you mentioned a second ago they shot 16 percent on on Jokic passes how about we just shoot league average for once and suddenly we're back in that game right that's an incredibly close game something we haven't talked about in fact something that I haven't seen anyone talk about yet is the non-Jokic minutes they performed extremely well that's supposed to be the Achilles heel that's the Achilles heel for any team with the great center we even saw this with DeAndre Aiden and the Suns last year and even past years when they had to put out guys like Jock Landale and just got absolutely cooked Miami is not really built to punish that style of play unless they're kind of willing to almost match up Jimmy Butler minutes when Jokic is off the court so they can have someone to confidently attack the rim because without like is Hayward Highsmith going to attack the rim is Caleb Martin going to attack the rim I'm not sure so it almost seems like one of those stylistic matchups where the bench came out and played phenomenal and that's supposed to be one of your biggest weaknesses when your MVP isn't on the court so that gave me a lot of confidence to see that and then like you said just some general let's regress back to the norm and just have the league average shooting night and i think denver does put up a pretty you know impressive performance yeah like i think it was notable because i mean like a lot of those shots like murray was one for four from three michael porter jr was i think like oh for three from three on Jokic passes so i mean like just right there you're looking at not a lot of scoring from the perimeter and then it kind of allows everybody to collapse a bit right so i i, I my inclination is with yours when in this line opened it was basically a pick and i was like this line's insane you know and i i just hammered denver um, for game two, because I was like, you know, in all things being equal, Denver has not been the best road team, but they've also just been a tremendous playoff team. Right. So I'm, I'm a little bit less worried about it. They've also bounced back in these game threes because they've had like slight letdowns in a lot of their game twos. They managed to win them, but they've had like letdowns or so to speak, or like ugly wins or whatever. So I do think that this is a good spot to bounce back. I am curious to see from a betting perspective, are there things, cause I know you're, you're like a wizard with like same game parlays or uh first quarter action. Right. And like, we get to see like different rotations. What do you think is like your favorite angle in this game? And like, how do you want to capitalize on that? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, in terms of we can start with the first quarter, I'm going back to Kevin Love. I played Kevin Love privately pretty big. Um, He (laughs) didn't end up hitting a three, unfortunately, so he didn't hit that. But I do think he's shown all postseason long that he actually has been a really good just per minute producer in that first quarter especially if he's going to play like eight ten minutes I think that guarantees you a shot attempt or two plus you get that great rebounding down there as well so that's one that I'm definitely going to be looking to but I haven't looked super deep in terms of the first quarter market I will say one guy overall that I do really like coming into this game another role player because hey if you don't follow my account I love betting on role players I mean (laughs) you know we collabed on Christian Braun one time that's not who I want to talk about I want to talk about a better role player Bruce Brown 
I think yeah. this is a Bruce Brown game. I think you just go PRA. He can give you the transition passing. He can give you the amazing cutting if the three-point shooting isn't there. And hey, if the three-point shooting is there, then Bruce Brown's going to have six free layups a game because you can't keep track of him with you know Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. hitting shots on the outside as well. So I love Bruce Brown, tenacious player. Great. I mean, he said, what, Mike Malone is the only coach to kind of ever finally understand how to use him. But I saw flashes of this in Brooklyn as well, right, when he was playing playoff basketball there as well. So love Bruce Brown, love Kevin Love. Give me some role players in game three. Dude, I like that. And I wanted to run this one by you too, because I thought this was particularly interesting, right? With Kevin Love, um, it looks like he should start again, right? Bam Adebayo's rebounding line has been set in the first quarter at two and a half. His rotation is only about like eight or nine minutes in the first quarter. And we know that the that it kind of comes down a bit when Kevin Love plays alongside of him. What do you think about an under on his like two and a half rebounds in the first quarter of game, of game three? No, I like that angle a lot. Like it's a direct correlation, like you said, with the Kevin Love thing. And two, you got to remember what these guys do best. Bam Adebayo, he's a center, right? So you instantly think of traditional center traits. Bam Adebayo's best trait is his defensive versatility, his ability yeah. to not protect the rim, but to get on the outside and guard opposing guards, right? There are not many centers that can do that whatsoever. His switchability, his versatility is so important. Kevin Love can't do any of that stuff, even if you wanted him to. Kevin Love can't switch out on the perimeter and guard a guard. So necessity kind of takes over, right? Bam Adebayo is out there and it's going to put Kevin Love in great rebounding position. So I think those kind of directly correlate right there. And I do really like that angle. Do you have odds on that right now? Is it uh, it's like minus 145 or so. Okay. Um, I think you can line shop it a bit. I, I saw it at DraftKings. Um, Caesars usually will open something. Uh, Bet365 usually has just the best line. but <laughs> you know, so, so definitely definitely shop it. But I think it's a good angle because we know that his that's just not really his rotation. Like his rotation is not to play the entire first quarter. And we kind of know that. So uh, that was definitely a spot that I was looking at. Um, when you're looking at this from like a full game perspective, is there a player that you're like, like that you think can continue what they've been doing? Or is there a guy that you think is going to break out uh, in this game? Because like we know, like last game, the breakout guy was really like Max Struess, four for 10 from three. All 10 of his shots came from three point range. Is there another Max Struess game or like, do you think that there's somebody else that's going to step up for, for Miami or for Denver? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, In terms of stepping up, I mean, for Denver, I kind of already snuck in my Bruce Brown. Yeah. For Miami, I would say instead of, you know, sneaking up, I think a guy that's going to consistently play the way he has so far is Gabe Vincent. I mean, it may be sneaky yeah. to some people. He's been playing great so far. Very consistent. Not a, you know, liability on the defensive side of the ball, which is also nice. Can do some solid passing as well. I know Struess has got the headlines because he obviously went 0 for 9 and then he went <laughs> suddenly, you know, 4 for 4 in the first quarter or whatever. But I think Gabe Vincent kind of provided very dependable scoring. And I think they're going to need that um, if they want to have a chance the rest of the series. Yeah. So, and with, you know, we talked about, we've just been talking about a little bit of like Miami's guard play, right? Tyler hero has been the guy that people are talking about. They're like, is he going to come back? Apparently he's doing a full contact practice today with like trying to recover from this broken hand. They're saying there's a variety of different reports saying, you know, like he is expected to play or maybe he'll play or the hand is swelling or he doesn't want to mess up like their mojo, like whatever's going on. Do you think number one, do you think that he will play at some point in the series? Number two, what do you think the role is for him or like what, what should be the role for him, you know, returning to the NBA finals? Like that's not just an easy thing to just walk back into play. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, Coach Spo will know better than, you know, me on this kind of thing. I'll trust him to get the job done right there. But I don't I don't expect Tyler Hero. I don't. I think especially obviously a hand injury. If you if you have a knee or an ankle, I think you can work through that. You won't be at your full potential. Um, But yeah, I don't I don't know. I think, like you said, chemistry is obviously a big thing with any guy returning from injury, no matter how big or how small, especially with how good some of these bench guys have been recently. You know, you don't really want it's kind of a slap in the face almost. But what I will say, I've been kind of workshopping this take. It's not nuanced whatsoever. Um, And everyone might hate this. I almost like the way they're using Duncan Robinson more than the way they were using Tyler hero. I know Duncan Robinson is a lot more limited in what he can do, but the way this offense is functioning as Duncan Robinson, his only responsibility is just being a pure absolute bucket is maybe what they should have done with Tyler hero, right? Maybe a little bit less on ball, you know, handling duties, maybe a little bit more point Jimmy, maybe a little bit more point bam. And how about you let all these shooters get the job done? I'm starting to think that maybe Tyler heroes, you know, on ball presence is was almost, you know, holding the team down a little bit. Well, Duncan Robinson, he doesn't command any of that. He wants to just shoot the ball. That is his yeah. only job. And now he can make layups and make passes. I don't know where it came from. I've been watching Duncan Robinson for three years and I saw him make two nice layups and two, you know, passes that I would have never seen him make so far. So to be honest, I'm kind of liking the way things are. And I don't really expect Tyler Hero to come in with a broken hand mid-series. I know it's it's really tough because my inclination is similar to yours. I feel like if he does play, right, it's going to be maybe off the bench as a microwave scorer, like something like that, or like if they need a spark. I hesitate to see whether or not they're going to bring him back in game three. Series is tied. If they go down two one, maybe you start seeing them fiddle with it a little bit more, and they're just like, look, like we need a little bit more of a boost. We need a little bit more offense. Like we need something else. But like just conditioning wise it's i think it's interesting to try to bring somebody back in the finals and then against a team like Tyler Hero is not a good defensive player now neither is Duncan Robinson obviously but Hero we know like Hero is a bad defensive player bring him back against a Denver team is like oh boy like that's that's a tall task like i think that's that's kind of a tough scenario for any player let alone a guy coming off of a broken bone so with with that kind of like way to project the series. I like, it it seems like it's always like one, uh, one guy just kind of steps up for Miami, like on any given night, like whether it's like Vincent, uh, Struess, Lowry, love, like whatever. Who do you think moving forward? Like, I guess outside of Jimmy and bam, right. Which of these guys do you think is most important for Miami to, in order to keep this series competitive? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, oof, oof, oof. I mean, it's tough. It's I'm putting you on the hot seat with that one. <laughs> yeah, well, it's 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 I'm it's hard because obviously I think Struess is kind of an easy answer just because of obviously how insanely hot he can get. But I kind I just want to go back to my guy Vincent. Like I'm really I feel like he's not getting enough appreciation for what he does on both sides yeah. of the ball and even kind of just making those simple passes and getting other guys involved. So for me, I think I probably got to pick Gabe Vincent right there. I think if he falls, if he goes down to nine points a game and shoots you know three for 12 from the field i think that's really really bad for miami especially if the defensive output isn't there as well yeah all right so this is a this is a this is a long shot question for you miami they're the team like everybody's like heat culture yada 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 like it's all like these undrafted guys the bench guys like it's it's the next guy up gabe vincent is 40 to 1 to win finals mvp do you think that there's a chance that he could win finals mvp because I, my thought is right. 
I don't think it's likely because, you know, I don't think Miami really wins. Generally with Miami, you would say like it should go to their best players. It should go to Jimmy. It should go to Bam. My question is, do you think that Miami could win the NBA finals without a guy like a Gabe Vincent or a Max Struess having that type of like MVP caliber performance? Because I don't think that Jimmy and Bam are enough in this series. That's a fantastic question right there. I'll say that I'm I'm one to take make a lot of hot takes, right? I'm very, you know, fine, yeah. comfortable with my opinions. One thing that I've been very steadfast in in betting across multiple sports is awards betting. I do not go away from the consensus of star players. I mean, I wrote for Vegas Insider. I wrote up every single college football team a couple summers ago and didn't bet a non-quarterback to win Heisman because quarterbacks yeah. win Heisman. It's the same with the NFL MVP. Patrick Mahomes is going to win it no matter how many rushing yards anyone else has. So when it comes to these awards, I will not go against star players. But the reason that's such a good question is, Oh, if Miami does win this thing and Jimmy is still scoring 17 points a game and Bam Adebayo is playing great defense, but not scoring on the offensive side of the ball, then who the fuck wins? That's yeah. I have no clue. That's because we almost just saw it. Like Caleb Martin almost won. It was five Jimmy four Caleb. So like it's, I don't think it's that out of the question just because of the team, right? Like we know with Denver, Murray would have to literally score 50 points a game for yeah. it to not be Jokic. Like, cause we, and we've seen it. Like Murray went bonkers in the conference finals and Jokic swept. Like he was unanimous Western Conference MVP. We just saw that the voters don't hate the idea of giving it to a role player for this Miami team. And I think it's because like none of these guys like really put up like super gaudy stat lines like Jimmy did against Milwaukee. And that was really it. Like he hasn't been right. So if you, and then even if you look at it that way and you're like, okay, like Jimmy's going to score 35 a game, the rest of the finals. I don't necessarily think that that's a winning formula for Miami because it probably means that they're getting away from a lot of their offensive process. And it's just like, Hey, like we need you to do this because like everybody else is missing. So like, that's why I think it's interesting with these award markets, especially in this specific spot. Like I still think there's a pretty significant edge on Jokic still, even at the minus number because of the difference in terms of cost that you're getting for that versus Denver, because they're still factoring in Murray a bit, but for like, for Miami, like my thing is like, when you look at the path for them to win the finals, I struggle to see a way that they can win without like one or two of these guys like really stepping up and maybe one of them like really breaking out. And at the number, like Struess is 40 to one. And like I talked about this with Brandon Anderson uh, last night, we we both got a couple of bucks down on Struess at 500 to one. So like, it's like the numbers nuts, right? But like, if you put like, you put like a dollar on it to win $500. So it's like, okay. do I think it's that out of the question? No. Is it unlikely? Yes. But in my current path of how I think Miami could win, I think that that number is way too long, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that. No, that's a great argument right there. And that's completely fair. I think it really like it comes down to I don't think Miami's going to win, you know, so it's I don't either. <laughs> yeah. um, but and I do think, too, if Miami somehow does win and Jimmy Butler's has one 30 point game, it's yeah. his because I think. The example you brought up is almost 
kind of the Achilles heel right there. If Caleb Martin did every single thing you would do to win that award over Jimmy Butler, like I, I don't know about you. I would have voted for Caleb Martin to win yeah. that award. I understand Jimmy Butler opens up a lot of those opportunities just with the gravity on the court. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But, but still like you can't, I think it would have been the perfect example of giving an award to someone that's not the star player and they still didn't even do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I can't see just, sorry, I can't see a situation that's better than last series. You know what I mean? Like for a role player versus the star player, then Caleb Martin versus Jimmy Butler. So it's it's really hard for me to, you know, go there. But like at 500 to one, I'll, I'll join you with a dollar or two right there. I can't hate <laughs> yeah, on that at all. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like I I, I completely, I actually like agree with you generally uh, because the one thing though was in the last series, Jimmy still outscored Martin on a per game basis. Like he had better stats than Martin. Like Martin just had like a couple big games to close the series. So he had that momentum, but overall, like if you actually just compared stat lines, you were like, Oh, like it was like Jimmy was much better over the course of the entire series. But like, I think so far what we're seeing now, it's like a little bit of like, is Jimmy like good? Like, you're like, are you, like, are you okay right now? Cause like, he just hasn't looked great yet. Um, do you think like, you know, like you kind of talked about, um, Jimmy, like maybe if he has like a 30 point game, a 40 point game, what do you think about some of those bets on? So like FanDuel has some DraftKings has some, and I don't, I don't even need like a specific one. Right. What do you think about some of those games, those bets that are like so-and-so to score this amount or to do this in any game or these, the ones that are like to do it in every game? Because I think that they're fascinating looks, right? Because they almost go against each other, where it's like, if it's any game, you want a longer series. If it's every game, you're like, yo, I hope this is a sweep. I hope it's five games because it starts adding more and more variance where it's like, you look at these spots and you're like, this looks like a good bet. Like Bam to score 15 plus in every game. He's already done it twice. Um, But it's like, say like two to one, right? To me when I look at those, I'm just like, well, it's just a, it's like an open parlay. And like, I don't really know how many games this is going to go. Like, do you think there's value on those or like, do you kind of shy away from them? But yeah, I don't like any of those to be completely <laughs> honest. I just feel like they make you pay so much. You know what I mean? Like you see yeah. the Bam out of bio to score 15 points every game. Oh, you know, he can do that. But you know, you're not getting great return on your investment. And then when you look back at his career stats, has Bam out of bio ever scored 15 points in every, you know, game in the playoff <laughs> series? I obviously different situations, stuff like that. But I just think generally those kind of markets are the ones that you always look at and you go, oh shit, that's easy. I can do that. You know, and I think that's really where they get you on those because then you have to pay a pretty pretty bad price to actually you know end up getting it so i i do really stay away from those i'd also i don't know if this is a um even a pride thing or something like that but doing it once a series i would rather try to find this game he does it for 18 times better odds you know what i mean i'd rather try to predict the adjustment that it happens and when it happens and bet on, you know, Jimmy Butler to have 40 points in that game for, you know, 40, you know, not 40 to one, obviously you're not getting Probably that like but 15. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, I, I, I completely get that. Cause it's, it's one of those spots where I'm just like, I don't know, like, like I get like wanting, wanting to bet it. Right. But like, you have to always consider it's like, well, what do, what do I think is the most likely scenario here? Like, what is the most likely outcome of the series for me going in? I was like, it's Denver in four or five. Like that was the way like I looked at it. Um, but if you're Miami, if you're on Miami, you have to, you basically have to think it goes six because like, it, it's like, there's no, like, you're probably not going to win on seven on the road. Um, so it's like, you kind of need to win. I know that they've done this that 
now, but like you, it's hard to come into the series, like recapping it that way. Um, and even right now it's like the series tied one, one. So people are like, Oh, like there's going to be, you basically need to look at it and say like, well, there's at least three more games. He did it twice. And like, not that it matters, but like those, the priors kind of uh, like adjust a little bit now um, there. What do you, what do you think about uh, like this game though? Like, are you, or like right leading into this game, do you have a best bet on like a series prop or do you have a best bet on like this game? Like what is your favorite look? for game three uh, against the heat and the, you know, against the heat and the nuggets here. Yeah. I mean, I haven't locked in anything yet. I think I plan on writing some articles once we hop off right here, <laughs> but I think right now, I think my two first, like, you know, leans instantly are Bruce Brown over and Michael Porter jr. Under just because I do really think that we are going to have to see the nuggets handle these guards, but I will have to think a little bit more on that now that we've kind of talked this through and maybe Malone doesn't kind of make those instant adjustments. Maybe he, you know, sees how his starters react, you know, before maybe punishing a guy like Michael Porter Jr. and playing him a little bit more off the bench right there on the Miami side. We already talked about it. Love Kevin love in this one. And I do generally like um, Denver to win this game. The problem is the spread. I don't yeah. know if you've talked much about this. Miami is just great at staying They're in so games. good. Like, so that's, good. that's why I wasn't as when everyone was saying this this series is going to be a blowout or it's going to be a sweep like Miami is consistently no matter how much you think they're outmatched in talent or anything else they're able to just grind you out it's exactly like you said you you play on their terms they'll slow the game down they'll limit those transition opportunities and even if they're shooting terribly they'll still be in it and, and they'll make a run you know what I mean so I don't know if I can take Denver on the spread but I do think I'll probably have them on the money line and maybe use that as a yeah. parlay piece yeah, I, I just wrote an article. Um, it should be out by the time this is published, but I gave out Denver on the first quarter, Denver, Denver full game, and you can get that plus 160 on bet 365. So they come out hot. I, I know you're going to get Jokic basically or really for the entire first quarter. So I like the lineups that, you're, that you generally see from Denver in the first quarter. It's like one of their best quarters in the postseason, So I think it's a good way to kind of back them early. And then like I, Miami has been so good in the fourth quarter. It's kind of one of those, I think Denver has to get out to a lead. And then it's like, then that's how you win at the end of the game. So I, I grabbed the point, like I grabbed the money line right away, but now it's like minus two and a half minus three. You, you just can't bet that the implied odds like change so much. Right. Before we head to pods and recs, I wanted to get your, like, this is more of like a generic thought. Right. But I know we talked, we talked a bit about adjustments and like, it's one of the things you just mentioned about how like Michael Porter Jr., Bruce Brown, like those types of things. When, when I think about adjustments, right. Um, and i start to make my plays. It's interesting because I think sometimes you can make plays where you're just like, all right, well, I'm going to bet this straight and I'm going to get it like minus 120, like minus 110, like whatever I'm going to get it at. There's other times where I'm like, well, in order for this to happen, this pretty much like also has to happen. So do you find some value sometimes in parlaying these pieces because you're like, I think they're correlated. The book might not really think they're correlated, but I don't see, like, I think this is how these teams adjust. And like, this is then the end result. And like, you'd rather kind of narrow, like put yourself on like a narrower path for a, essentially a bigger payout uh, with that type of thought process. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like in a way that's kind of what I've been trying to do over these last couple of years, especially yeah. whether it's in those first quarter bets or those two leg parlays. It's kind of it's one thing, like you said, it's correlation, how these bets, you know, go to each other. And then two, I feel like the other thing that doesn't get talked about is understanding a player's ceiling and floor. Right. We get a lot of guys that are much more, you know, it's a variant spectrum. Right. We get some guys that are going to score 30 points and then they're going to score 14 points or seven points. And I don't want to bet on that guy to score 19 and a half points. I want to bet yeah. on them to score 30 points, right? Because most of the time when they're having those pop-off games, they're going all the way. So I think having an understanding of kind of when you're building out these correlated parlays, what people have a safe floor and then what people have a ceiling you want to shoot for. You know, Mike Max Schuess could hit five threes. He's taken 10 threes in yeah. a shit ton of games this playoff series so far. He had the bad series last time, obviously out. But if you look back earlier, I believe again, even against your own Knicks, right? He was yes, taking 10 was shots a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it sucked. <laughs> But no, I think you're right. Like you want to be betting on things where, especially with that, like where they set a line it's like, all right, well, like it's in the middle. This has been happening a lot with Jimmy, for example, like his points lines at like 22 and a half or whatever. And it's like, well, he's either scoring 15 or he's scoring 30. Yes. Like I want to bet on either side of the spectrum. There's not as much value on the midpoint where it's like, I'm laying minus 110. Like I'd rather get like a number that's like, plus 300 or, you know, plus two, 220 or something like that. Uh, so I think that that's, that's a good way to look at it too. And just say like, all right, well, if, and if the guy has like a very stable floor, then maybe it's a good piece for like your parlays because you're just like, look, like he's done this every game. Like this is just what happens. So like one of those looks that I'm looking at, I did it last game and I'll have to see what the odds are for this game. But Murray's assists have been great. He's got like 20, he's averaging like 20% potential assists in two games. A lot of them are going to Jokic. So those two things are like very tied together. And like last game, or really he's averaging so far five assists per game just to Jokic and his assist lines at six and a half. So I think that there's continuing value on that type of bet, but then that's kind of how you can get like a Murray over assists, Jokic over points type of deal. Um, and like just play like on that interplay of that pick and roll. I know. Yeah, I agree. And I think too, you can get crazier, right? That's like a simple correlation. I'm sure you've done this as you build out and you build out, you can go, okay, well, if I see this happening, then I see this happening in return. So maybe we go Jimmy Butler steals because he's going to be forced to kind of attack these passing lanes more, or maybe I go, you know, maybe we'd see more Caleb Martin off the bench or something like that. Like, I think you can definitely go like, cause if uh, this is the way I build parlays, you got to build out a game script in your head, right? You have to have a vision for, at least I do have to have a vision for how I see going. And then everything kind of falls into place after that. But I agree finding guys that consistently hit these like somewhat safe benchmarks is a great building spot. And it's a great place to start. I think Murray's a great example. And that's why I do so many defensive props as well. It's not quite as great in the series because we don't have any great shot blockers like no. JJJ, AD. Those guys were amazing to Monsters. me this season. Um, but unfortunately that's been taken away a little bit, but I think the, the defensive side of the ball and the first quarter kind of fits in exactly with what you're saying, because there's so many um, since those markets aren't bet on that much, there's so many spots that consistently hit every, game that you can really build a nice correlated parlay on and I know we've done it in the past I mean I don't need to tell you this no. we did this with Stephen Curry last postseason in the first quarter like every fucking game automatic just absolutely automatic so I think that there's a lot of value that you can find in some of those markets where you're like 
look, like I get that the, if you wanted to bet it straight, it's like two and a half rebounds in the first quarter. But if you know, and if you like look back and you're like, yeah, but like he gets one every time. So it's like, if he gets one every time, then it's like, okay, well, because he plays the entire first quarter, then it's like, all right, now I can start building some things off of that. So I do think that that's some good like advice for people uh, as they want to build parlays with like only one game. So you really have to pick and choose your spots and the lines are so, so, so much sharper uh, right now in the NBA finals. Um, but with that, I wanted to take us to pods and recs. And you know, the segment we give out one of our fit, like one of our recommendations for the listeners can be anything that you want. Um, what do you think? What, what would you like to recommend for the listeners here? Yeah, I have so many recommendations. I mean, see, you, <laughs> you, you sent me a you know, I won't spoil it. You sent me something that got my mind. Like, I want to give sauces out. I want to give drinks out. Like, I'm I watched the Maddie, the Maddie Chucks episode at the end. By the way, please never give out a filing cabinet as advice on your podcast. Again. <laughs> I think we're close enough friends for me to be able to call you out on that. Because you, I mean, come on now. Come on now. Like, is that what, is that what really doing? You, you gave a, a file cabinet and then Maddie Chucks gave out a soda in return as like that I, okay anyway it's the collaboration you know it's it's the most ridiculous parlay you can have no yeah but i want to match that energy i know we got a lot of guys to go to chick-fil-a out there and i know oh, listen God. chick-fil-a sauce very popular very good got a bottle in my fridge you guys got to get that sweet spicy sriracha sauce that is the best sauce at chick-fil-a by far this is like I, you got my mind rolling on sauces right so i'm thinking through <laughs> thinking through next time you go to chick-fil-a i swear to god just get one you don't even have to they let you mix it up you can get a, a chick-fil-a sauce for comfort for your heart and then just think of me get a sweet you know chili sriracha whatever it is one of the best sauces out there and nobody even knows they have it absolutely amazing second because i watched the maddie chucks one i'm on drinks <laughs> vitamin water. Vitamin water is very underrated. We can't be drinking soda anymore, guys. It's over. I, I don't want to be 300 pounds, right? I like playing basketball. I like having not heart disease. We got to switch. When you want to get yourself a nice sweet treat, you go for Gatorade, you go for vitamin water, get yourself something nice like that. The problem, every other flavor except dragon fruit absolutely sucks for vitamin water. So you want to go get yourself uh, a dragon fruit vitamin water. I had like 80 other, those are the first two I remembered. So I'll kick it over to you and maybe I'll think of some more stuff. <laughs> All right. Those are, per those are perfect. We're going to call this like the saucy episode here because I'm recommending the now look, I I'm like, I'm stealing a little bit of culture from my, uh, like my fellow Asian compatriots. I'm, I'm half Korean, but we're going with Bachan's original Japanese barbecue sauce. It's kind of, I, I've been eyeing it and I kept like not buying it because it's like $8 a bottle, which is just preposterous for a bottle of sauce. But I like, what I realized is that it like a little bit goes a long way, which I appreciate because it's about 30 calories per tablespoon, which is significant, right? But it's more like a soy sauce consistency. So you kind of can spread around. It kind of seeps through like what you're working with. So it's a lot of flavor. It tastes kind of like a mix between like a hoisin, a soy sauce and a sesame oil. It's very good. Highly recommend it. I think it's pretty good like just to kind of finish off a dish. So that way you don't have to do like too much of anything else. Um, really, really been enjoying that. You find that like most grocery stores, Target, like whatever. So a lot of different options there and they actually have a couple different flavors. So I want to try the original first 
Um, but I will probably dabble with some of the alternative options, the derivatives, if you will. Uh, and I'm pretty, pretty, pretty excited for that. Um, I don't know if I spurred any other thoughts by you. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Well, one, like, I mean, $8 bottle of sauce is kind of tough, but if you're Nuts. giving the recommendation, I'll go for it. I do want to ask a follow-up. Is that Bonchon brand? Is that the one or whatever that has the really expensive chicken wings? Is that what we're talking about? I think, I think it actually might be. Yeah. That's probably why. That's probably why. Cause it's got like the octopus, like sushi chef, like, on the on the front of it so um it's it's definitely it's one of those like i think that it's a staple to have in your fridge like i'm a sauce guy like my entire fridge door is just full of sauce so right. like I, i'm a big i like that i like the uh the cum lychee sriracha mayo um i'm a fan of thinning that out a little bit so like i'll take that and i'll add some other like a little bit more sriracha so it cuts on the cows a little bit because it's obviously still a mayo but then it thins it out a bit so you know you kind of get that it can, it, you get a little bit more coverage on it with a little bit more heat so that's those are but i'm, a, I'm a just a big sauce guy like just love the sauces <laughs> no i like that i think we should call this podcast sauce guys i like that i'm I, i'm with you 100 i got tons of sauces the thing is you know you, you're a lawyer you've got the class i kind of represent the common person i've got <laughs> mcdonald's ranch and chick-fil-a you know what i mean like i'm a little bit i can recommend you all the good fast food sauces you want an arby's horsey sauce you know go pick that up right now but i'm not going to be able to dabble into this realm that you're in right now especially you know once you get to the pasta sauces i don't know if you're a rouse guy or whatever I paying 12 bucks a pop but that's that's not me well i will recommend if you are going to buy rouse which i do um you, you, you gotta buy it at costco because costco's got a two for one it's like 10 bucks um it's still a little bit pricey like i actually prefer the if i'm gonna use sauce like i'll buy a trader joe's sauce there's a pretty good whole food uh, so isn't bad but trader joe's a big fan of trader joe's just generally um so i Look, I, I think that we can we could go on for sauces just like forever, but I do think that like some of these you gotta you gotta try at least a couple of them. You know, like I'm a big I love Chick-fil-A sauce. I'm a big Chick-fil-A guy. Um, so I absolutely can co co-sign the uh the sriracha sauce from uh from Chick-fil-A and you know just get a get a couple get a couple sauces in. Buy those after the podcast, sign up for props.cash, you know, get a little, get a little sauce in your life and let's cash. I got, I got one more thing. I got Go one for more it. thing. Cause I remembered your other recommendation. Cake yes. Pops are awful. That is Whoa. one of the, like you back to back an office, you know, a cooler. And then you hit us with the cake. That is arguably the worst recommendation I've ever had. You're going in there and you're paying them $5 for one bite. Like you're going, like it is absolutely the bottom tier of the snacks, especially when you're in like a Starbucks or something like that. I don't drink coffee. I'm not a Starbucks guy. If I'm going to Starbucks, I'm getting a green tea with lemonade. That's the only Fair. thing I'm touching in there. Maybe a croissant enough if I'm feeling really <laughs> fancy, but you're paying a dollar more than I am for a cake pop one bite. I'm getting, you know, eight with my croissant. So I really needed to get that out before we <laughs> ended this podcast because cake pop is got, I mean, I don't know if your audience is full of like 14 year old white women, but I don't know who's that fine with. I feel like I'm speaking for the people right here because I haven't seen a, an adult male, no offense, buy a cake pop in the so, last 16 years. I have bought a cake pop from Starbucks before, but the reason that actually came up was because it was my fiance's bridal shower and they had cake pops and okay. the cake pops were like the size of like a chocolate bar, like a full chocolate. So okay. I was like, it was, it was a little bit heftier of a cake pop, but I probably should have explained the, 
like the size ratio here and not that like size matters. We don't unit shame over here, but like it did, like it just did see it did. It was a much better experience with that type of cake pop as opposed to a Starbucks cake pop. But I will take the criticism because I honestly like that was, that was a weak episode by me in terms of my recommendations. And I really am glad that I had somebody to, to check me because sometimes like, you, you know, so you got to get checked in order to get the check marks. And we just love those green checks. So let's cash that. <laughs> Is that how we're ending this? 